And maybe people won't necessarily know what I did, but they'll know that DNA angels had a hand in reuniting their families. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 148, and today I am speaking with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you today, Lily? I am so happy to be talking to you. I, I First of all, this is Kelly Grace Hickey, if, if you know her through DNA Angels or through social media. Um, but Kelly, I want to ask you how Giving Tuesday went because I haven't spoken with you in a month. So. Giving Tuesday went fabulously. Um, I want to thank everybody who donated, everybody who appeared. We had so many great guests. I was so tired. I didn't want to talk for two days after that. And of course, I had to go back to my day job the next day and I was like, Ugh. I'm not saying, I mean, my boss was like, you're being very quiet. And I'm like, just enjoy it. You have to be exhausted. So if <laughs> if anyone, I mean, I had mentioned it on the podcast some months ago, but Giving Tuesday is the first, it's the Tuesday directly after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And it's a day that we choose to support our, our nonprofits, our charities of choice. And, D, and Kelly is a founder of DNA Angels, who has helped countless NPEs, late discovery adoptees, donor conceived people find their birth parents and more family members. You guys are amazing. And you find birth parents for for free, right? For free. Yes. Anyone searching for a biological birth parent, it is absolutely 100% free. And of course, all the relatives that go with that. So we're not just going to say, here's, you know, your dad is Bob and not tell you anything else about them. Um, You know, Laura gets very excited when she finds a living grandmother um, because that's very important to her. So when she finds a person whose father is young enough to have a living mother um, or mother is young enough to have a living mother and there's a living grandparent, she gets really excited about that. And it is really cool. Um, And to answer the question as to how many cases we have solved today, there's 3,829. And that is as of yesterday morning. 820. Oh, it just gives me goosebumps, Kelly. That's so, I love this. It's so amazing. Isn't it? It is so fantastic. And I mean, that's just since, I mean, that's just since we started counting um, in 20, I think mid 2019, um, because we just, we didn't really have a mechanism for keeping track of it when we first started. Uh, Laura and I have been together since November of 2018, um, but we didn't, DNA Angels didn't come about in its current form until February of 2019. And then we incorporate, not we didn't incorporate, we became a nonprofit in um, September of 2019. So, you know, we didn't, you know, there's, there's, there's probably a little room for fudging right there, but we're, we count 3,829 as our official number, but it, it could be closer to 4,000 at this point. Oh I gosh. mean, there's just so many, and, and you know, there's, 
every case always seems to spawn, you know, related cases. So, you know, we're working with a, a, I was working with my trainee the other day and she's found this person's biological father. And as she's gone along, she's discovered that there's another NPE in the family and she's waiting for him to reach out because we believe we have his biological father found too, but we're not going to count that until he reaches out to us. But, you know, he had given her enough information so that she was like, I'm pretty sure that this is right where this gentleman fits. And I'm like, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. So um, we, you know, it's just, every case doesn't just touch one life. It touches so many because it touches not just the person seeking, you know, whether it's a mother or a father that they're seeking for, but it's, you know, touches those, you know, the, the families on both sides, any siblings that they may have, um, you know, countless people that are just, it's a nice domino effect, you know, mm-hmm. you know, one, one case doesn't just touch one life. It, it touches so many and that's just so fantastic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Sometimes it's not always a positive thing, but you know, we, we hope that it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it that's so true because even if there is rejection involved, even if, you know, people's personalities, character defects come to the surface, the thing is you still have the truth. You still have the knowledge. Exactly. It, and the truth is the most important thing. Um, my own story, I do not have a relationship with my biological father or siblings. So, you know, I always say to the clients, I live vicariously through your pictures. So send me your pictures. Um, but you know, I at least know the truth. And I know, you know, even though my mother has been dead for, gosh, 40 some odd years, I know, I, I understand where she was at and what she where she was coming from, probably better than anyone else does, because I am just like her. Um, you know, I always thought people always said, Oh, you look so much like your mother, you, you know, you must be your Pat's mini me. And I'm like, Yeah, I, I am Patty's mini me. But um, looking at my biological father, she chose a man that there would be no questions as to, you know, he had dark hair and dark eyes, just like she did. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my father is blonde and blue, you know, the gentleman who raised me and the man that I called dad and is still my dad, you know, he's, he, he was my hero. And so I was really crushed when I found out that this man was no longer, you know, biologically related to me because personality wise, my husband would say, you are so like him. Mm. Um, And he used to laugh at us because we would get into these little bantering arguments that he and I both, my husband doesn't banter very well, but my dad and I do. Mm. And we would get into these little bantering arguments and, you know, just drive each other crazy with the answers. And it was all in good fun. Um, And he Mm. didn't understand that. I mean, the last the last one that I can positively remember is he was in the hospital and he was trying to pick his lunch for the day. And he's looking at the menu and he's like, I was like, Hey dad, get some, get a, you know, grilled cheese and tomato soup, some nice comfort foods. Now nah, I had that yesterday. I said, okay, well they have, you know, they have, look dad, they have a perch sandwich. You know, this is in Lake Erie area. They have a perch sandwich, dad. You love perch. Yeah, no, that's no good. I had that the other day. Uh, well, you know, they have, um, cream of mushroom soup. That's your favorite. Now it tastes like wallpaper based. You know, we went through the (laughs) whole menu like this. And so finally he picks up the phone and he orders his lunch and it's a grilled cheese and tomato soup. What was the first thing I suggested? That grilled cheese and tomato soup. (laughs) I just said, that's it. I'm done with you. And he's grinning the whole time. And my husband's over there just shaking his head because this is of course, before we ever even found out I was an NPE and you know, here's my dad and I having this, this conversation that is just so typical for us because this is how we are. You know, we just had this this great rapport 
I mean, we could have really been a comedy team, you know. Um, I love it. And is so, your dad did, is your dad still around? No, he passed in 2014. Here's the funny story. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my question, my mother was terminally ill when she uh, got pregnant with me. And in fact, the reason she got pregnant um, with by another man was because my father wasn't going to oblige her. She had been told having another child could kill you. It could kill the child. You, the child could be born severely, you know, uh, mentally handicapped or physically handicapped. It's not a good idea. And so my dad, who comes from a very dysfunctional home, his, he had left home when he was 14, um, to move in with his father against, you know, and back in the forties, that was not a, a big, um, fathers didn't have rights in the forties. You know, the child was always with the mother. Well, my father ran away so many times and ended up at my grandfather's house so many times that the judge said, okay, we'll try it. But you step one toe out of line and you're going to military school. And my dad did beautifully. I mean, he was, you know, a good student. He was on the tennis team. You know, he, he was a very likable guy and, um, you know, very, very good student. And so he got to stay with his father. You know, so he didn't have a good relationship with his mother. My aunts, his sisters were a little off balance because of the whole divorce thing. I mean, my grand, my aunt used to talk about the tragedy, you know, the tragedy, the tragedy. And I was like, dad, what, what is this tragedy? My aunt keeps referring to. And he's like, oh, uh, well, that would have been my parents getting a divorce. He goes, which wasn't a tragedy. He goes, it was the best thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he had a very different take on it and he did not have a lot of close family members. His family, even though his extended family is very large, his, his nuclear family was very small. He had two sisters, only one ever married. She only had one child. So this is important. I only have one paternal first cousin. This mm. becomes important later and you'll see exactly why. Um, so he was more interested in having his wife and the child that he had and taking care of them than worrying about having another child risking my mother's health and, and the health of the child. He did not want to upset the stability that they had. And so my, my joke was always, where does a terminally ill woman in, into ceramics and bowling and a good Catholic find a man? Well, the same place she found her husband at work. They all worked together. They, my mom spotted my birth certificate father on her first day, his first day at the job. And she said, I'm going to marry that man. Apparently she did. And uh, she also picked up my biological father there too. Mm-hmm. And my biological father came to my birth certificate father's funeral. He came to the funeral home. I don't know if he stayed for the funeral, but he and his wife came up and introduced themselves to me, not to my sister, to me. And um, I remember it mostly because the wife made some very odd comments about my mother. And she said, Oh, I knew, I knew your father and I knew uh, your, your, birth mother, your biological mother, or however she put it. But I didn't realize that the same man was married to both women. I'm thinking, well, how is that possible? Because, you know, and I'm thinking, how did she not know that my mother, Patty Carson, was not married, was, you know, married to, you know, my father. And I, it just kind of threw me because I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe it was because my my mother was notorious in her mind. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question because he won't even have a conversation with me about it. But he, they came up and introduced themselves. And when I went to turn around and grab my sister to introduce her to these two people, 
um, they disappeared. It was like, you know, one second they were there and one second they weren't. And I looked at my husband and my best friend who were standing on either side of me, kind of supporting me during this. And neither of them, my best friend's like, well, you know me, I don't remember a, a darn thing about that day. So, you know, cause when I asked her four years later, do you remember this? She was like, no, my husband barely remembers it, but he doesn't think, you know, that he, did, he doesn't remember it being anything odd. You know, and I'm like, well, okay. But, you know, I, I turned around to grab my sister and he, all of a sudden he was gone. He was like, well, you know, people move on. So he didn't think it was as odd as I did. Um, and I thought it was very odd. But the the whole importance to having that one sibling, that one cousin, I mean, that one paternal cousin, was that when I finally did DNA test a couple years later, I had two people that I did not recognize show up as close family first cousin. And I knew that they weren't on my mother's side because they were not Italian and they did not match with my Italian family. My mother was 100% Sicilian. Her parents were from the same village in Sicily. If you look at my, my DNA as compared to her younger brother, who was my um, third top match, um, my uncle, he is 100% Sicilian. And mm. these two people did not match with him. And they were higher than him. And, um, you know, so I just, I put it aside. I didn't even think about it. It was, you know, I'll figure out who they are later. I had actually initially done this to try and reconnect with some of my dad's family. Some of these people that I didn't know. His father was one of like seven or eight or nine children. And I knew nothing about my mater my paternal grandmother because I had never actually even met her. She had been living in California my entire life, never met her. I've only met my paternal aunts, you know, once or twice, a handful of times each, never met the cousin. So I'm looking at these two people trying to figure out who they are and thinking I should know them if they're as close related to me as my uncle is. And I put it aside and the woman wrote to me, it was a, a man and a woman. And the woman wrote to me and she said, well, my family's from Pennsylvania. We're, we're, we're German and um, you know, this, that, and the other. And I said, no, no, we're, we're, we're Scottish and Norwegian and we're from uh, Kentucky and Indiana, North Carolina. And then, you know, I can, I had already, I had already built my dad's tree. I built it in 2009 before any of you know, DNA testing was a big thing. I had built this beautiful tree for him and um, had traced it back to England and even as far back as Scotland and France. And, you know, um, I had beautiful, beautiful tree and I couldn't figure out where did these people come from? So I gave her a list of names, you know, here are my family names, you know, Moore, Carson, and I don't remember the other ones. And she said, nope, none of those are right. And so it didn't, it didn't dawn on me for a year and I just kind of let it go. And then one day I was sitting in my office and by day I am an estate and family law paralegal. And I was writing a memo to the judge um, on a case proving that the deceased in this estate did not have any other living relatives because he had never married. There were no known children. And I was trying to prove that. And I'm like, how do you prove somebody doesn't exist? So I was on ancestry looking up obituaries and birth certificates, death certificates, and, um, you know, trying to figure out how I could prove that this man had no living relatives. I went back to my DNA and I went back to those messages and I was like, this woman, she matches me at like 1,800 and like 40 centimorgans. 
Hmm. And I don't understand what that it means. I, I know she's got to be a close relative because there's my uncle right there and she's higher than my uncle. How are we related? And she says this man is her brother. They cannot be first cousins. I have one first cousin, not two. And neither of them, you know, this is this lady is not my cousin Maureen. I don't know who she is. Um, and she says she's not related to my my grandfather's family or my grandmother's. How am I related to her? And I'm talking to a friend of mine who actually has since passed away. And she had just found that day her half-sister she had been looking for all of her life popped up on Ancestry. A little backstory here. Back in the 90s, I worked for a nonprofit organization that had lost touch with all of their retired members. And so one of the things that I did was I tracked down each and every one of those retired members. Um, Spoiler alert, they were all in Florida because that's where apparently podiatrists go to retire. (laughs) But this is before, of course, the, the, you know, the internet was not, you know, very big. This is like 92, 93, maybe 96 at the very latest. I, I don't really remember, but it was very difficult. But I've always had a knack for finding things and finding people. So she thought she had found her. She had a pretty generic name. And I said, let, let me take a look. Well, she hadn't found the right person, but I did find her and I put her in touch with her. And I, as I was talking to her, I said, Lisa, how do you know this is your sister? How do you know this is her? Because it's just a username. It doesn't say the name that you know her by. And she says, oh, it's by the number of centimorgans. And I said, okay, what's a centimorgan? And she um, gave me a little education. I said, well, how am I related to these people? And she was busy. So I went and I Googled and I pulled up the um, DNA detectives green chart. I'm sure everybody out there who's had an NPE experience has seen this chart. Um, And it, breaks it down and it says half sibling, grandparent, grandchild, aunt, uncle, first cousin, double, and I think double, or not uh, double first cousin. Well, I knew the double first cousin was out. And so I started looking to figure out how old this woman was. I, I ruled out grandparent right away and grandchild. And so I was left with aunt and half sister. And so I was thinking, okay, you know, there's a story out there that both my grandparents were a little bit, you know, had part of their, their divorce was that she was a little bit wild and that he, you know, was a little bit wild too. So maybe I have aunts and uncles out there that I don't know about. You know, maybe my grandparents had both had affairs that led to other children. By this time I figured out that my grandmother would have been too old to have a child. And that if it had been my grandfather's child only that it would have been, um, it would have been half and that, that was wrong. And I, I frequently, I, I, I kind of went around and I thought, well, maybe part of this tragedy that my aunt talked about that my dad's not telling me about is that she had two children she put up for adoption. Maybe they really are first cousins. And then I realized that that wasn't working either because it was too high of a relationship. And it landed me last on first cut on half sibling. And at that point I said, okay, well, if she thinks that she's my dad's child, then she's got something else coming because my dad would have been in Korea when she was conceived. Um, Cause I knew what the dates of my dad's Korean military service. And he would have been in country at the time that this woman would have been conceived. Cause I had her birth date and I'd put it into a pregnancy conception calculator and it counted back 40 weeks and it gave me a date and it was smack in the middle of when he would not have been in this country. And I didn't have the date for the, the gentleman at the time, but 
this was enough to convince me that this was how it was related. And then it dawned on me that I had my uncle and I had my niece, my sister, my known sister's child also showed up, but she showed up at 798 centimorgans. And I'm thinking all things being equal, my uncle and I, and my niece and I should all have similar numbers, but she's half. So I went back to the green chart and it said, first cousin, half niece or half nephew. And that's when the gut punch happened because I realized if she's a half niece, then my sister, my beloved only sister, this is what I used to call her when we were children. She's 15 years older than me. And I'd say, but Carla, you're my only sister. How could you do this to me? <laughs> and um, I realized that she was my, 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 my half sister and that this other person and her sibling were my half siblings as well. And I went, mom, what did you do? And I crawled into bed for three days. This was Memorial day weekend. I crawled in bed on Friday, crawled out on Tuesday morning. And I just, I just laid in bed and sobbed the whole weekend because I didn't know what to do. And I called my best friend, you know, the one that was standing next to me at the funeral. And her response was, Oh, um, well, you know, ancestry's got a hold of your digital footprint and they're just punking you. They just picked a random man. I said, yeah, you know what? If they had picked a guy from like Saudi Arabia, I would believe you on that. Mm -hmm. But they picked a guy that lives the next town over from where we are. Cause I had already looked up the entire family. I knew where he lived. He lived in the town that that factory, my parents all worked in was at. And that was only like 10 miles down the road. And I said, I would believe that except for the fact that he lives so close and his kids went to the high school in our town, the same high school that we would have gone to had we not lived out in the country. Cause we lived, you know, five miles out of town. So we were in a school, different school district. And she says, yeah, it's just a big mistake. And I said, well, you know, let's, let's just figure this out later. So she, I, I gave up on her and I did, I wasn't going to tell my sister cause I knew that this would just ruin you know, our relationship and, you know, we're not that she and I are, are very different. Um, I wasn't about to tell her and I, I eventually did tell her and she's the one who figured out that they all work together. She called up, she actually unblocked an ex-boyfriend on Facebook so she could reach out to him and have him ask his brother who had just retired from the same factory. Mm -hmm. If, if this other man had worked with our parents and he had, and we were, and I said, you know what, had I just looked at the like newspapers.com, I would have looked because my dad's picture was all over it for like awards and commendations. So was this man's, they were all right there. And some, in fact, there's an article I think that has both of them in it. Mm. So, and I went, you know what, I think he showed up at the funeral. I think it was that man that came up and introduced himself and his wife said something really strange about my mother. And it was. And, but it's because of all that, that, you know, I was feeling like I was the only person in the world who this had happened to. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, what have my parents done? And about three weeks later, um, my phone suggested an article I might want from the Atlantic Monthly about a support group for non-paternal events or not parent expected. And I went, what's that? And I read the article and I went looking for the support group and I got very active in the support group because for me, 
my biggest thing is helping people helps me. I, I do best when I am putting aside what's going on in my life and reaching out to others to bring them through their grief. So I became, um, I became one of their staff members and I was one of the people that would greet new members and they eventually put out a call for search angels. And I said, well, I don't really know anything about this DNA stuff. I did solve my own story, but you know, I kind of had a half sister, so that's not really difficult, you know, but I'm good at finding people. You give me anybody in the world, I can find them, you know, give me enough information. And usually I only need name, approximate age and last place you knew them to be. And I can usually find them. Um, and he said, okay, I'm going to put you with the group. The other two ladies are both angels and you're going to kind of be the person that, that helps them find things. And they can teach you the other stuff along the way. And one of them was Laura Olmstead and we just, we connected right away. I mean, she would find them. I would, and then I would wrap it up with a bow and say, okay, here's all the living family members to, to this person. If they happen to be deceased or if they were still living, here's their, here's their address and phone number. Um, you know, let's make contact with them. And, you know, we went like that. We solved 200 cases like that between November and February, which is when we broke away from the support group. And the reason we broke away was because they wanted us to only help their members, mm -hmm. their approved NPEs. Mm -hmm. We wanted to help everybody. We didn't care if you were an adoptee who was, you know, uh, late discovery, or if you had known all your life you were adopted and you just wanted to know where you came from. We didn't care if you had been a, a child who maybe was raised by a single mother and just never knew dad, or somebody who was in the foster system who you maybe you had your parents' names, but you weren't raised by them. We didn't care. As long as it was you were looking for a parent, we wanted to be able to help. So we broke away from them and we changed our name to DNA Angels. And that was brought about by, we, we made a poll in our client room and we said, okay, we, we need a new name. And one of our clients suggested DNA and then append angels to it, but only one A. So DNA and G-E-L-S. And we liked it. Now it's, it's caused some, some problems over the years because people aren't sure how to say it. Is it DNA angels? Is it DNA angels? <laughs> it is DNA angels. You pronounce both A's, but you only spell it with one. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, it's kind of like a, a, it's its own foreign language there. I um, like it. <laughs> we like it too. And we have a client that designed the um, tree of life and DNA symbol that you see on our website and everywhere. Um, he's, he was one of our, he was Laura's very first client and it took her three years to solve his case. Mm -hmm. um, amazingly enough. And like we say to people, we don't ever give up. And then we trot this, this client out as our proof, you know, here, here's our client. You know, he was our very first client. Laura was working him when we were still with that support group. He was the very first person she was ever working with. And it took us this long to solve him because um, you know, just all of the, the, the craziness going on in, in his biological family tree, because, you know, not everyone's family tree is, you know, is a simple straight up and down tree. I mean, my own Sicilian tree is, is pretty crazy too. I have an aunt and uncle who are actually first cousins to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so my husband who's from South Georgia always says, and you give me grief. <laughs> and I said, you know what? We're Sicilian. It's a small Island. You know, you marry your cousin sometimes. Um, 
He said, yeah, but that happened here in the United States. And I'm like, I'm not making any excuses for it. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, there are, I mean, there are things that happen like that, you know, wherein, wherein, you know, people marry their cousins or there's a lot of broken trees, you know, like I am convinced there's a city in Florida that hates me because every time I get a client from this little town in Florida, there are always so many broken trees to try and navigate. And it's like, I've got all these tree pieces and I don't know how they go together because, um, you know, somebody is an NP on this branch and there's somebody that's an NP on that branch. And it just gets crazy. And, you know, depending on ethnicity, sometimes you go back and you just can't get too very far because of recent immigrants or because of slavery or whatever the, the, you know, the question is, I mean, my own, again, my own Sicilian family, I can only go back to my great grandfather, I think my great, great grandfather. Um, And that's as far as it goes. After that, the records get very murky because all the names are the same. We keep recycling them. Um, Mm. You know, it it gets nuts. Um, And of course, spelling name changes and things like that. You know, so, you know, I, we do our best, but we don't give up. That's the whole point of that is that, you know, it it may take us three years, but we're not going to give up um, just because the DNA isn't there because, you know, people are testing all the time. You know, we're we're looking forward to February when the first of the the Christmas tests are coming in. They should be rolling in end of January, Ooh. beginning of February. And you know, it's you never know who's going to test. I had a young man test um, last year, and he's one of my favorite clients. He had no idea he was an NPE, and he comes back and he says, he comes into screening and he says, "I have a full father match, and I don't know who this man is." And so we we worked through it, and it turns out it was his father. And mom just never told him. Mom is still denying to this day that this man is his father. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know we know better than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's made contact with with the gentleman, and they have a relationship started. And he sent me pictures back of both of them at the same age, and I am just floored at the the resemblance. You know, genetic mirroring—it's a real thing, folks. Um, it's not just for adoptees anymore. I mean, for those of us who have never known a parent, or for you're discovering it. That is so important to be able to look in the mirror and to see um, that a face that looks back at you that you can see traits in. And I see that so much with my biological father that it's, it's crazy. I didn't understand it until then, you know, and now it's, you know, I I get a little bit, just a a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of what our adoptee partners are going through. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get, you know, I may not understand all of the trauma, but I can at least understand the genetic mirroring. And speaking of genetic mirroring, in in 2014 at your father's funeral, your, mm-hmm. your I'll say your BCF's funeral, but it was uh-huh. your, your dad. My dad. So you did, was that your first time actually, I mean, you didn't know you were speaking with your birth father. Was that the first time you had really spoken to or met your birth father? I believe so. Again, they worked together. Mm, so. There have been times over the years that I had been to the plant for like open houses, especially around the holidays, that it's possible that I met him then. I don't remember. Um, I was a, I was a scholarship winner for that particular, um, my, for my high school year, my senior high school year, I was one of the three scholarship finalists for the company. So I went through a process where I, um, met with different people in the plant to be interviewed. I don't, 
know if he was one of them. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have some of the paperwork from it and I've looked back and I don't see his picture in any of the, the, the documents I have, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, he may have been there and he may have recognized my face. Well, I mean, obviously people ask me all the time, are you sure he knew? I'm positive he knew. My mother worked there when she got pregnant with me. She came back shortly after I was born and then she you know, worked there for a couple more months and then had to quit because of her illness was, was advancing. My mother had pulmonary scleroderma, which um, is a disease. Scleroderma normally attacks the skin. Um, pulmonary scleroderma attacks the lung tissue. So it hardens the lung tissue. It mm. basically creates lung cancer because it causes abnormal cells. And she was diagnosed with it 10 years before I was born. So probably about 1962 and she was given 10 years to live. So I was born in 1972 and she lived until 1977. And my father always said, I gave her an extra five years. Um, Mm. And of course, when he said that, I was just like, I can't believe you just said that dad. Um, Because this, this woman was the love of his life. He is buried next to her, even though he was married to my stepmother for longer. Um, and it was kind of funny because when he, when he passed, I thought I was going to have to fight to have him buried in Bellevue. And he, I was told, no, he's going to, my stepmother called me as I was driving up from Georgia to Ohio. And she said, well, I thought we could do the order of the, the ceremony. We'd have the ceremony and then we'd drive out to the funeral home or drive out to the, the cemetery and have the burial. How'd she say that? Instead of driving out to the cemetery and having the burial and then going and having the luncheon, I didn't want people to be driving from Fremont to Bellevue and then back again. I figured we would do the the, the luncheon before the burial and then people can come out afterwards. And I went, what do you mean? Bellevue. And it dawned on me when she said Bellevue, that's where my mother's whole family is. That's where my mother is. And I thought, and I said, oh, we're, we're burying him in Bellevue. And she says, yes, that's what he wanted. Oh. And I was like, okay, I'm not even going to, I thought I was going to have to fight. Um, you know, I was, I was spoiling for a fight and ready to go. Um, and of course my sister who is, um, she's a little bit scrappy. Um, I was waiting for her to, to jump in on it too. And I called her up and I said, Carla, they're going to bury daddy next to, to mom. And she said, well, it's only appropriate. And I said, well, yeah, I know it's only appropriate, but you know, he's been married to this woman longer than he was married to her. And he, yeah. she says, you know, I know. And, um, you know, we didn't know if we would be able to, to have that fight. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we were actually already planning on having him exhumed and moved at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I didn't have any clue. You know, I, I didn't know. The name didn't sound familiar. And I've, I actually floated it by my stepmother. And I said, hey, do you, does this name sound familiar? He approached me at the funeral. And, of course, it was four years later by the time that I knew that he was my biological father. And of course in four years, she was like, yeah, I don't remember anyone by that name. Um, I've been looking for a photo from the last year. My mother was uh, alive. She passed in March of 1978 from October of 1977. I'm looking for a photo of my mother and father's last Halloween party because they had a bunch of people from the plant. And I'm, convinced that he might've been in it. Um, but I can't find it. And I know it's at my sister's house and I know it's in this, uh, 
scrapbook I put together when I was about 17. And she swears up, down, left, and right. She has no idea where that scrapbook is. Oh, Kelly, you really do have an amazing brain. Just listening to you <laughs> with solving these cases and how you can find people, I believe it. I'm like, wow, you have an amazing memory. Well, you know, that's the funny thing. I, I do have a photographic memory. Um, so... Mm. And no wonder. That must be very helpful. It's your- helpful because I'm also dyslexic. So oh. I cannot speak another language. I cannot read music. I can play piano, but it's by ear. Everything mm-hmm. I play is either by ear or I memorize. And I can speak a language as long as I've memorized. I can't string words together normally, but I can read it and regurgitate it at you. Um, so, um, wow. but yeah, I, I don't, I can't think on the, I can't think on the fly. So as long as it's something that is something I can put together from pieces that I know, which is, I think what, how DNA is you, you put it together from what you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at a, a 900 cent Morgan match. That's going to be either an, uh, a first cousin, a half niece, nephew, half uncle, half aunt, you know, it's going to be something in that range. So you, you kind of know where it, it might fit and it's just kind of like putting a puzzle together. And I've always been very good at puzzles, which oddly enough is something that my half sister is very good at as well. My, Mm. my paternal half sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have had conversations with her. Um, She's tried to keep me from the rest of the family. I, she hasn't done a great job because I've reached out to several other of them. I've reached out to my father. I've reached out to my half brother and gotten radio silence on from both of them. But um, she, she did, um, we did exchange quite a few emails and um, she and I are very much alike. Whereas my, my sister that I grew up with and I are from different planets. um, She and I are very, very alike. We both like tea. We both like mysteries. We both like puzzles. Uh, we're both the problem solvers for the family. We're the we're the, the strength in the family. Um, you know, when it, something goes wrong, everybody in the family comes to her. When something goes wrong, everybody in the family comes to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was the one when my father died. I was the one that my stepmother had called. She didn't call my stepsister or my sister. She called. They called me, and mm-hmm. it was my um, my stepsister's husband that told me that my father had passed. And that I needed to call my sister. And I was like, oh, great. You leave, leave me with that task. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. It's better than the other way around. I understand. Um, but, you know, it's, it's scary. And Laura has actually read some of the emails between us. And actually, um, my sister tried to shut down my blog on the DNA Angels website down. And she corresponded directly with Laura and she says, you two write so much alike. And I said, mm. I, I can't help that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just who we are. Um, and I always thought I got my writing from my grandfather because um, my grandfather was a writer. And so was my aunt, my, my, my dad's father and sister. And apparently I don't get it from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um And I mean, so many little things that I always thought were were family traits from one side, I keep finding are family traits from the other. She has shared pictures with me and she shared me a photo of my grandfather with me. And I am the only grandchild to inherit his wild curly hair. Now, if you see pictures of me, my hair is generally straight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> it takes a lot of work. A lot of work. To a get it lot like, of work yeah. like that. Because right now, um, if you can see it, I've got it just pulled back in a headband and it's just like everywhere. I was like, well, thank God this isn't going to be a video blog. <laughs> no, I turned the video component off. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Right now you would be looking at my pink panther anyhow, because that's where the computer's pointed. Um, so... And- and yeah. your four cats. Uh, well, yeah, no, actually, I left them out. And there's actually, oh, yeah. there's actually six of them. Oh, my gosh, Kelly. <laughs> yes, the Hickey Hostel. And that's a low number for the Hickey Hostel for Misfit Cats. Um, we've had uh, upwards of nine at times. Um, but, yes, the, the Misfits are all out in the other room. I can hear one of them outside the door. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that's probably little Daisy. She's okay. only about six months old. It, and I should say, you call them Misfits because they are like... They are mis- misfits. missing missing eyes and paws, and you have a what? yeah. Um, I've got one that's diabetic Rescue. that need, that has a. He used to have a Dexcom on, so he sometimes wears a t shirt. Um, <laughs> I've had several with missing eyes, missing paws. Um, let's see, who else do we have right now? Let's see, Percy's missing an eye, Daisy's missing an eye, so and Patty are all missing eyes. Patty also has autoimmune issues. Go figure. <laughs> um, the poor cat is scabby from head to toe. Um, yeah, she's sweet, but she's she's sweet but scabby. Um, Eugene is diabetic, <laughs> um, and we've already discussed Poe has his own issues. He's just Poe the a hole cat. <laughs> oh, that's I love your house. I love it. I love your household. The sister you're speaking of, this is the 1800 Santa Morgan half-sister you found through Ancestry, right? That's her. So yeah. she, you, what did you, you started messaging her and she was responsive? Okay, and- she messaged me first, okay. remember. Now, she had reached out to me on Ancestry. Oh, yes. It took me over a year to actually respond, but she messaged me first and she knew what the relationship was. Um, I believe my father's DNA is on Ancestry. I know it used to be on GEDmatch and my heritage, and um, huh. also on Family Tree DNA because when I I never had uploaded to them. You know, we always suggest to people if you're looking for more matches, upload to these three free sites. Well, I had never done it, and so when I came back to DNA Angels, I actually did take a hiatus. Um, my half sister that I never knew. Um, the second oldest passed away in 2019. And I kind of went through this, this phase of how can I tell people to reach out to them and face rejection when I still had not, I was abiding by the rules set down by my sister that I would not contact anyone else. And in the meantime, one of them dies on me. She's never going to know about me except, you know, if you believe in heaven and you believe that, you know, she's looking down on me and she knows Mm -hmm. everything now. If you believe Mm -hmm. that, then yes, she knows now, but I will never have a relationship with her. And she and I, I mean, my sister will call her Carrie for lack of a better name. Um, It's not her name. It's not anywhere close to her name, but Carrie um, had told me all about my two other sisters and my brother. And I share little tidbits in common, like the one that passed her favorite holiday was Christmas. I love all holidays. So I'm not, I'm not picky. You know, I will celebrate Arbor day if you want, you know, but um, she loved holidays. And I found out that I share a profession with the youngest sister. And in fact, 
seeing pictures of her, she and I have the same RBF. Um, we, we look a lot alike. I'm surprised people in our hometown did not notice it, but we are 12 years apart. So, you know, maybe they, that's why I left when I was 14. And so there wasn't anything to compare teenage me to teenage her. Um, and then my younger brother, well, he's the youngest he's still nine years older than me. Um, and I've never had a brother. That was the thing I was really excited about. I really want a brother. I have three stepbrothers. It's nothing like having a real brother. Let me just mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah. Um, I had this little crisis of faith and I said, I can't do this. You know, she's passed. I'm never going to meet her. I've been abiding by these rules that Carrie set down and I can't, I can't in good conscience tell people it'll be okay. You know, go ahead and reach out. No matter what it is, it'll be okay. I mean, even if it's a rejection, it's going to be okay because at least you have your truth because I couldn't even overcome my own issues. So I stepped away. And when I came back, it was because oddly enough, my nephew, my step nephew, Corey, who is a very sweet kid, posted on Facebook right around this time in 2021, like, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Does anyone know how to do this DNA stuff? (laughs) And I reached out to him. I said, what do you need? Because first of all, please don't try to tell me you are not your father's child because you look just like him. And I know your mother. And he says, no, no, it's for my friend, Nick. Nick's never known his dad. And we've decided this is going to be the year. I said, okay, I know this group (laughs) and we'll do this, but you got to make a nice donation. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, if you're document and they were going to be documenting this the whole way, I mean, you got to include us in the, in the documentary mm-hmm. and he says, done. So I reached out to Laura and I said, Hey, how about one more case together? One last case. And she says, okay. So we found Nick's dad within about three hours when oh. just one Sunday in January and, um, they've been filming it. Nick actually met his dad around Labor Day of 2021. And I still haven't that was my one last case. I'm like a hundred and 200 and some cases past that now. (laughs) I, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we we can't quit. I can't quit. Um, and it's just because this is, this is my passion. You know, I've always said I wanted my life to have some kind of meaning. And that meaning wasn't just going to be taking care of a bunch of misfit cats, even though I have a cat that was so popular, he had his own Facebook and everybody loved him. That was Jack. Um, I I want to have my, I want my life to have meaning. You know, I don't want to just be one of these people that you look a hundred years from now and you're like, well, who was that? I want somebody to know what I did. And maybe people won't necessarily know what I did, but they'll know that DNA angels had a hand in reuniting their families. You know, I mean, there's so many good stories out there. I mean, all stories are worth telling, whether or not you, you got your closure or whether it's, you know, all you have is the truth, but no relationship because we're not, we're not guaranteed a relationship. We're not entitled to a relationship. We're just entitled to the knowledge. You know, you have that right to know where you came from, to know what your accurate medical history is. I can't promise you that it's going to be like the client I was telling you about earlier. She gets a text every day from her biological dad. And that just touches my heart so much. Just watching that, even just from the sidelines or knowing that, you know, our clients, you know, we have so many of our, 
So many of our volunteers were clients first and watching them have that first Christmas with dad or the fact that um, one of them, her grandmother um, swiped her DNA angels uh, ornament that I sent to dad for his donation. (laughs) Dad donated to our Christmas in July and I sent him one of those, you know, little purple plastic ornaments that we had and grandma swiped it for her tree. That just (laughs) tickled me pink because it, again, it's that Doppler effect. You know, we didn't just touch her life. We touched her dad's life and his mother's life. Plus, of course, all the siblings that she's got now from dad and aunts and uncles, you know, things like that. It just, it makes getting up in the morning and like looking at your client list and thinking, today I'm going to help somebody. You know, even if it's just to tell them, hey, your dad was this man. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, he's passed. But here's his legacy. You know, the more I can find about a person, the better. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. But I mean, I've, I've heard so many crazy and wonderful stories along the way. I mean, sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, I think I've got who it should be, but I really just need an expert opinion on this. So we'll take a look at it and I'll be like, yeah, you nailed it. And then they'll tell me about their family. And I'll just take in those stories because I, I, I treasure every single story that I've ever heard. You know, whether it's a good story or a bad story. I mean, I had one lady that her biological grandmother, her biological grandfather pimped grandma out during the Great Depression to make money. Oh, boy. Right? So was it, you know, was this man that I thought was actually his child, actually his child? Yeah, I think he really was. But, you know, um, crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes it comes down to, you know, your dad is one of these two men, both of them, both of them were a year apart. They served in the service together. Then they went into business together. Neither of them married. They lived together. I can't tell you which one it was because their digital footprints, what's left of them after 30 some odd years is exactly the same. You know, they're both deceased. None of them had any children that we know of, except you. You're the one that you're the child of one of these two men. You hear so many stories when you start to do service work in the community in the, and they're just, they just stick with you, right? They're every single one. Yeah. I may not remember your name, but start telling me your story. And I'll be like, yes, I've heard this before. And then I'll fill in the, the gaps. Yeah. Um, you know, my, so I have a terrible uh, memory for names and faces and it gets harder, of course, when you don't see a person, all you see is maybe a picture um, but I have a, a terrific memory for voices and stories. Um, and that's how I, I used to be a 911 dispatcher. And of course, that's how I dispatched my police officers was by voice. If, mm. if they cut off their radio number, but they started talking, I knew exactly who it was. Mm. Um, and if they, if they come up to me on the street now, they may know what I look like, but I don't remember what they look like. And if they're not in uniform, forget it, you know, yeah. um, especially if it doesn't have a badge on it that says, you know, Smith. Oh, Um, but they start talking and I'll be like, I know you, you're, and I'll call them by their unit number. I've done that before. I used to walk into court. Um, my, my very first time in court, I walked in and I heard a voice and I turned around and went, you're the guy who does the transports every morning. I don't remember his unit number or his name Mm -hmm. now, but I turned around and I I knew exactly who it was Um, because I just have that kind of auditory. So I, I remember things like stories. And so, you know, if, if I were to hear, if I had been worked on your case and I knew your story as intimately as I do some of these others, and I couldn't remember 
you know, like Laura will come to me and she'll say, hey, who is that client we had? And we'll start filling in the details of the story. Yeah. And then we still can't remember the name. And um, I, and finally, I'll hit on something that I can hang on. Let me look through my chats for this phrase, you know, yeah. um, and it'll pull up the name. And it's because I mean, gosh, she's worked herself probably 2000 cases. Um, I heard that I had, I was going to say she's done over a thousand for sure. So she's, she's done over a thousand for sure, but probably 2, closer to two oh um, because she's just I, I always make I, I make fun of this because I, I would say Laura is so fast with the DNA that she would she would say, OK, we've got a case. And I'd be like, OK. I'd get my computer, get my drink, be all set up, ready to go. And she's like, okay, and dad is Bob. Go find him. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, uh, if you're sure. And, wow. you know, I, I mean, she's just that quick. I mean, she can look at the DNA and just see these connections that, you know, that that's her special superpower. Um, she's fantastic. Amazing. And yet she could probably be a PI for thousands and thousands of dollars doing this, but yet. You guys are doing it for a nonprofit. I just, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I mean, we have, you know, Laura would tell you that when she made her discovery and hers was not as obvious as mine was, you know, she didn't pop with a half sister. Of course, actually, if she had, she probably would have known it, you know, before I did. Like I said, it took me a year to figure it out. A year. Actually, it took me a year to answer her. It took me two years. You know, she actually had it narrowed down to, to a family of men um, and wasn't sure which one it was. And then, of course, she talked to them and she talked to the, the one that was living and he remembered her mother uh, as dating um, the the brother that is her biological father. And she will tell you that at that point in time, she didn't have the money to hire a professional genealogist. You know, it starts at like 2,500 for oh. a retainer and that's like 10 hours. So two fifteen an hour figure for a retainer, but you have to, you have to, I've, and I've paid people like this for work through my, um, my day job as an estate paralegal. I've, I've paid to find missing relatives for estates. Um, sure. And you have to pay your, even if you only use six of those 10 hours, you still pay the 10 hour retainer. They do a good job, but it took six months, I think for me to get the answers to who I had a name. I had an estate where I had a name and I knew anecdotally that this person was possibly the half sibling of the decedent. And I just needed to prove that she was truly a half sister. And it still took them six months to do that. I mean, because it took them that long to get started and then that long to do whatever it takes they done. I mean, I know that they didn't spend all 10 hours of my retainer on it, Yeah. but um, you know, she, and she said, there's no reason that anyone should have to pay to find out who their parents are. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, you know, now if you're, we do have paid services. If you are, if yeah. you think great grandma was an NPE and you want us to find her DNA through your DNA, then that's a paid service because that is so much harder. And that's something beyond my skill level. I would never be able to do that, but we have angels who are able to do that. We have one that is very good at doing that. Um, and she will, she'll actually look at your case before she accepts it and say, 
whether or not she believes she can find it. Mm. And if she doesn't think that there's enough DNA for her to do her job, she's not going to accept the case and you're not going to pay her the money. Um, because she's just that honest about it. (laughs) Are you guys looking for more angels? I know you guys have dozens of them. What, probably 20, 30 of them right now? We have 60 volunteers, but we only have probably about 15 angels. You know, we, that, that covers our board of directors, our research group, our intake people, um, our angels. And then just, we have some miscellaneous volunteers. We have a guy that does our website, a guy that does our statistics. Mm. Um, we have a writing group. Um, Yes, we are always looking for volunteers. And if you're interested, um, you can reach out to Amy. That's A-I-M-E-E at dnaangels.org. So dnaangels.org. And she is our associate director of staffing. And everybody pretty much starts out in research. And then once they have the basics of how we do things down, they can be moved up to being an angel and then they get assigned a mentor. Um, I, like I said earlier, I have a, I have a mentee right now. She's on her last case with me. Bless her heart. She's probably working her little heart out right now. She's so good. But um, you know, we have a, a little, we have a, a formula, but if you're interested in like becoming an intake specialist, anything, even if it's just writing for us, I'm always looking for writers for the writing group. Um, Cause yep. Uh, we have a newsletter um, that we put out monthly and uh, we put out stuff on the website. So anytime, you know, if you're interested, just write to Amy and she'll, if she'll direct it to the the correct person, if it's not something under her, like if it's writing or if it's intake, um, because we, we do a lot, you know, so for those who don't know our process, we have an intake specialist that greets you. Um, you can apply on our website um, or uh, excuse me, on our Facebook um, screening room and an intake specialist will reach out to you and that person will walk you through the steps of sharing your DNA entry. Cause we don't go into your account. Um, you know, you, there's a way to share your ancestry DNA entry with us that we can edit them and put all the information in your tree so that once we're finished with you, we can take, remove our access and then you still have all that work we we've done. Um, you know, and that makes it easier because, you know, ancestry doesn't like us to have more than like, you know, so many trees in DNA or else we can't, I think we have six pages of them right now and it's just getting to the point where it's ridiculous. We actually have three accounts because we have so much DNA and so many trees. But if you don't work through Facebook, we do have a, um, an angel team that works via email. Um, and that would be Renee. She's very good at that. And we can direct you to that. If you have any questions, you know, the info email is always answered by somebody, even if it's, even if it's me some days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, we have a whole team of, you know, intake specialists, researchers, angels, um, you know, people that'll just do just about anything to help you find your truth. It's something we all believe in um, each and every one of us, because we've either been the recipient of it or, you know, we have angels that um, maybe are not NPEs or not adoptees, but somebody in their family is, and they found them through DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, two of our angels right now, um, we have a sister group where they started out looking for their adopted niece by testing at 23andMe and Ancestry and just hoping that she popped up because unfortunately that would have been the only way to find her. <laughs> you have to be good at this. I've tried to help a neighbor figure out... 
the DNA stuff. And ooh, it is, it's a, like you said, it's a puzzle for sure. Like opening the tabs and then pulling up the chart and how much shared centimorph. I mean, I, it is not in my forte for sure. So I just really appreciate every member of your team that does this. It's so important work. It is. It really is. And even if you just have, you know, if you have the heart, we'll at least try to work with you. I mean, the intake, uh, the, the research test to, to, get on board with research isn't that hard. It's just, you know, finding, seeing how good you are at basically using Google. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, how can you find these things? Because if you can find, I think it's an obituary and an address and a couple of other things, you know, if you can find these things, if you can use some tools, basic tools that we have, like um, Find a Grave or Ben Verified or White Pages, um, or just like I said, Google search works wonders. Um, yep. People say, oh, how did you find that? And I'm like, well, I just hit Google and I typed in, you know, obituary, Bob Smith, New York, 1982, you know, or whatever. Um, You never know what'll pop up. Um, And we have, we have a a research team that um, is headed by two women that if you don't know how to do it, they will show you how to do it. I mean, they are so good at this. I mean, they really are. Um, And by the time, by the time you're ready to be an angel, whether it's like a month, two months, six months, whatever, um, you're going to know what you're doing. You know, I've been blessed. The last two people I've been able to mentor have been fantastic angels. They're going to be um, real assets to our, they already are real assets to mm. to DNA angels. They're both very, very sweet ladies. And I loved working with them. We had someone on who used you guys years ago. And again, I'm like you, I can't remember names, but I could remember her story. And she was like, I used DNA angels. They were so amazing. And now I'm an angel. And you know, it's, it's taken some years of process, but I, yeah, so many, I have, I think probably about a, well, right now published 147 episodes and so many people constantly bring up DNA angels and search angels. And Is I'm going to she- bring an angel for us because I know yes. she is an angel for us. Oh goodness! Well, you know this was you know a year or two ago. I probably yeah season two or three. Okay, I, yeah, I, I can think of several people I know that have been clients of ours that have become angels, even if they're not mm. currently angels with us or not. Or like I know we had a a client from our early days that I believe she's doing search angel work and she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we had you know. It, it was one of those heartbreaking stories where both men that could possibly be dad were both deceased at a young age. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, can't we just find a living father? I mean, obviously I know that if they're like my age and I'm 50 or older, you know, the chances get smaller and smaller, but especially, you know, I think you said you had a 90 year old uh, client on, Um, you know, obviously we're not going to find a living, a living dad for, for her, but we could might've been able to find siblings hopefully. Um, But you know, it just, it, I hate having to say, and you know, your mother or your father is deceased. That always Ooh, kills me, especially when I've got like a young person. Like I had a, a young lady a couple of months ago and her mother, her mother would have been my age. Um, and her mother was our, had passed like several years before she even um, started looking for her. And that just killed me. I did not want to tell her her mom Ooh. was deceased because I understand how that feels. You know, both my parents are deceased and I, I don't want to, I don't want to have to break someone else's heart. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what's worse, uh, finding a living parent that doesn't want to have anything to do with them or finding a dead parent that oh, they yeah. just won't ever have the opportunity. 
Oh, that is sad. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, and I'm going to bring this up because you are not, but uh, money donations probably would always be something helpful as well. If people had the ability, had the means to, I'm, I'm assuming you guys are still accepting donations. Through yes. The, what, your website? <laughs> yes. Page? Our, our website, uh, dnaangels.org slash donate. Um, okay. You can always donate to us. We do accept donations. Currently, that is how we are basically keeping the lights on. You know, I, I think I mentioned we have three ancestry subscriptions. We have several to Ben verified because we can only have like three people use a Ben verified account um, yeah. at, at any point in time. So like the one I manage, I have two angels that are in it with me, but I can't give it out to a third because then Ben verified will notice a third IP address and like shut it down. Yeah. Um, we have subscriptions to things like, um, DNA uh, to tree, which is a, a wonderful tool that we use um, to help uh, find the most recent common ancestor. If you have an, an iPad or a, an iPhone, it's a, it's a great tool. Um, yeah. I can't even think of everything we have subscriptions to because we just, there are so many, I mean, you know, the website, you, we have to pay for the website. We have to pay for, um, you know, the forms that we use to, uh, to do our hold harmless agreement and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, how much cost there is to running a nonprofit, you know, yeah. we're not profiting, but we still need, um, you know, so much money a month to, to get all of our things. Cause it's beyond the point where we can pay for it anymore. When we started out, you know, we paid for our ancestry account. We paid for our been verified. Um, we have actually a secondary, um, lookup site that we use called skip genie um that we can find out if a phone number is is actually a good number or not if it's connected mm -hmm. um which is invaluable because sometimes you know if you look at a, a, a white pages or a ben verified report there'll be 10 phone numbers and you're like where do i start how do i even yeah. know um some, some landline from 2005 isn't necessarily gonna help you right and, it, and again that depends on the age of the parent if you've got a parent that's you know in their 70s or 80s, yeah, that landline is probably still good. My parents' landline from the 70s is probably still active. Um, you know, yeah. I don't have a landline, haven't had one since like mid-2000s, but, um, you know. Yep, De depending on the age of the, the generation of the person, that might be helpful. Right. Um, plus, we also do things like we send out DNA tests to people, you know, um, and we have my heritage kits. We have 23andMe kits. We have ancestry kits and they have to demonstrate a need for it. But, um, you know, not everybody can even afford the, the $99 it gets, it costs to get a test. So we buy them on sale at, at Black Friday and, and stuff. Um, oh, smart. Yeah. So smart. In fact, our Christmas in July, fundraiser every year that christmas and july fundraiser the the funds from that are what we use to buy the dna kits that's why it's christmas in july that makes sense and i think i saw the cheapest ancestry tests i've ever seen did you see that 49 dollar? yep that's what we got yep. oh good for you guys mm -hmm. that is so smart oh also i I was thinking about on Giving Tuesday, you guys had that long telethon. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you, that, the one where you probably lost your voice talking for so many hours. I did. <laughs> I came on after Eve Wiley and Jacoba Ballard. I was amazed. I mean, I'm, 
you know, I've seen Jacoba Ballard's heroic um, Netflix documentary, Our Father. And that was just, I love how involved she is in the community and continues to be. But you guys even had her, she even does a lot of work for DNA Angels, really. Um, how did you make guys make that connection? Well, so, um, gosh, with Jacoba, I believe... Laura said, "Hey, we should reach out to her," and I did. Um, you know, and she responded. She responded. Um, let me take a look. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's how it happened. Um, yeah, June 28th. Hi, Kelly. My name is Kelly Grace, and I'm the associate director of DNA Angels. Um, and I wanted to. She's. She had been sending referrals our way. I think. Um, you know, kind of like you, you have in the past, um, even though we didn't really know you very well. And I it was like, you know, one of my, one of my hats that I'm supposed to wear is outreach. And so I've been trying to make the connections with the people in the community, such as yourself, such as Jacoba, such as Eve. And Laura said, reach out to her. And I said, okay. Um, and so I did. Um, which is the funny thing is, is that I, I know that you're not going to believe this, but I am really not an outgoing person. I I don't believe that. You're wonderful. <laughs> um, I would rather, you know, be somewhere off by myself, you know, not having to deal with the public most of the time. But I realize that, you know, in order to get our message across, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and, and do things that maybe make me a little uncomfortable. So yep. I've reached out to just about everybody I can think of in the NPE community, in the adoptee community, in the in the donor conceived community. And in fact, I'm actually working on our adoptee links because we don't have um we don't have a lot. We have a lot in the NPE community. We have a lot in the donor conceived community. But the adoptee community, um, you know, we have relationships with Here with Hope and Healing, which Cindy Olson McQuay is um one of the founders of, and, um, you know, uh, Heidi Marble from um, Pulled by the Root. And, but we don't have a lot of, um, just a lot of, you know, people that are big in the adoptee community. So I've been reaching yeah. out to people. I have um, a, a meeting scheduled with Gregory Luce later this month. Um, he's a very big adoptee advocate and an attorney for adoptee rights. Um, so I've been, I've just been trying to like kind of further those, those, um, those, you know, strengthen those ties there because, you know, it's, it's going to take a village to get, any kind of legislation changed on anyone's behalf, you know, to get adoptees, their original birth certificate, to get donor conceived people, the right to know from the beginning who their donors are and what kind of, you know, health history that they are facing and things like that. And, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of, you know, good organizations out there, right to know um, is, is one of them, of course. And we, we do partner with them, but, you know, we need to, we want to have those connections to all these people that um, are part of our community because we're not just NPEs. You know, I'm an NPE, Laura's an NPE, but we have um, people who are adoptees. We have people who are donor conceived. You know, our board is made up of of people from every single one of our 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 categories. You know, our yeah. president's an adoptee. Um, 
our, one of our members is a uh, donor conceived. Um, so we try to address, you know, the issues and concerns for all of them. And of course, you know, you know, I as an NPE can't speak for a donor conceived or an adoptee, but I can, I can empathize with them and I can support them in their endeavors to have their truths, you know, and I think it's important. Um, I really wish that every state would open up their, their um, birth certificates so that they, an adoptee can get them. I know New York does it. I know a couple of other states do. I know Louisiana just did theirs not too long ago. Yay, Louisiana. Um, but it's so important. And it's not just because it would help us with our clients' cases, because sometimes it doesn't. I have a, a, a lovely woman that came to me from um, New York where we knew who her mother was, but we've been trying to figure out her father and the birth certificate doesn't list one. So that birth certificate wasn't any help there, but at least she has this document now that is the truth of where she was born and who she was and who her mom was. And, you know, that's just so important, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, if there is any way I can help you personally, or if NPE Stories, the podcast can help you, please just always keep me in mind. Let me know. I, I feel similar to you in that service work has been just getting me out of my head, you know, and, right. and, and it's, it's given me purpose to completely ever since finding out I was an NPE. So I, I feel I agree with you on that front, but let me know, please, if there's ever anything you need from me, will, will you be at the Untangling Our Roots Summit? I was just about to ask you the same question. Yes, DNA Angels will be there en masse. Um, we will be there. We will have a booth in the exhibit hall. We are speaking. Um, so yes, I look forward to meeting you there. And of course, anyone else who's going to be there. Um, I know Leanne Hay will be there. She will be at our booth. Um, for those of you who haven't read Leanne's book, please pick it up now. Um, it is called NPE, a story guide for unexpected DNA discoveries. And it is, it's the handbook for navigating this, this tangled web that we have been thrown into um so wonderful it's a wonderful book so yeah mm-hmm. peter boney will be there um oh, I, yes. I don't know who else i just know that the, the two of them are going to be there because those are the two people specifically oh well obviously um you know kara and alicia from right to know will be there um i can't even think um, I'm pretty is sure Edinger, is he a npe by any chance or just a like a genetic genealogist. He is not an NPE, um, but I would hardly call him just a genetic genealogist. (laughs) Blaine is going to be at the summit. He, um, you know, he will be, he's our our vice president of our board actually. And he does angel work. He is amazing. Um, He is not an NPE, but he has found um, adoptees in his tree and helped them. Um, Mm. So, you know, I mean, I would hardly bet that there's a person out there that doesn't know, hasn't seen somebody in their DNA of a significant amount of centimorgans that they're like, who the heck is that? Um, because it's just, if you consider 10 to 15% of the population is affected by an NPE, and honestly, I think that number is actually higher, but that's just all that we know at the moment. I think it's probably closer to 20, 25%. But you know, you know, obviously the further you go down, the less you're going to know people. Um, but if you, I, I'm sure that 
everybody out there, whether you're an NPE, an adoptee, a donor conceived, or none of the above, have somebody in your DNA that you just have no idea um, who they are or where they belong. And I'm going to test that theory actually by going and looking at my husband's DNA after we get off because he he's one of those rare people who his parents were still married um, when his father passed. And, you know, he's so normal. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, um, he's got a typical normal nuclear family, mom, dad, and two, two sons, you know, um, dog and a picket fence. Um, and I'm betting that if I look at his DNA, I will be able to spot somebody that does right. not fit either side of his family. Yep. Go search. <laughs> yep. Now, Kelly, if people wanted to reach out to you directly, could they do that? And and what's the best way to do that? Yes, please. Um, You can find me either on Facebook as Kelly Grace. um, And you'll know it's me because I'm wearing a DNA Angel shirt. And there's a little halo around my uh, frame that says something about DNA Angels on it. Um, Or you can reach out to me via email. It's Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at DNA ngels.org again dna angels has one a in it um just to confuse people <laughs> well it makes sense it makes sense but it yeah um it, you can actually go to our website um and um dna angels.org and um if you look under meet your angels there are pictures of all of us laura and myself and amy and all of the people that I've mentioned pretty much uh, during this podcast. (laughs) I appreciate this so much, Kelly. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was so nice of you to set this time aside today. And, and also giving Tuesday was wonderful talking to you that day. If you can still remember. I remember it. I, you were, you were one of my highlights because you were one of the people I had not ever spoken to before. And I was like, I am really excited about this because, you know, Lily is an, is a new subject for me. So now I have to, I can ask questions that I don't already know the answers to. Cause with some of them, I already knew kind of what the answers were going to be, you know, but I, I appreciate everything you do. Please keep doing your podcast and um, maybe we'll shuttle some, some good stories to you um, as we do. You can feel free to pick off our website too. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, and I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person. Yes, in Louisville. And yes. everybody who wants to come to the summit can definitely come. It's March 30th through April 1st in Louisville, Kentucky. So it's not too far from any one place. Um, I'll be flying in from Atlanta. Wonderful. I will. Well, Thank you so much, Kelly. Enjoy the rest of your day today. Thank you. You too, Lily. Have a wonderful day. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.